everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. My name is Chet Czar. I am your host. And this week we have a great interview with Alex Pardee, the amazing Alex Pardee. Such a great dude, great artist, funny guy, just an all around cool, cool dude. Love Alex. Um, so that's coming up. It, re- it went really well. I've already recorded it. And um, yeah, so you're going to enjoy it. Uh, let's see what's been going on with me. Uh, painted a bunch of mini paintings, sold those. I got to paint some more here. It did pretty well, so I'm going to do some more mini paintings. Uh, getting orders out. I got one of my commissions done, which is great. Got that shipped and crossed off my list. I got to finish up another two that are almost done. I've got a ship painting for the blab blab show I gotta do. I got another commission. I owe someone I gotta start and uh on and on and on. Yeah. So not too much exciting stuff. The usual. Anyway, um this week's episode, as always, is sponsored by uh Skull Shop, S-K-U-L-L-S-H-O-P-P-E. Here's one of their amazing skulls. Um if you uh, uh, join our Patreon at, the, I think, the $5 level, you get a 20%, I don't even remember now, 20% discount code, I think, or 25, 20%, 20% discount code. Um, if you want to support us, you go to patreon.com slash darkartsociety, and you can support us for as little as a dollar, and um, you get... Uh, entry in the private Facebook group and the Discord and uh, your name read on the air, which I'm about to do right now for new subscribers here. I can see them. Uh, let's see. We've got, let's see, David Ellis. Thank you, David. Tentacled Space Dragon 1991. Thank you. Uh, Andy Spade, thank you, Andy. Let's see here. Uh, and that's it. Thank you for supporting. This is how I can afford to do this podcast. I really appreciate your support. Uh, if you want to support my work, you can go to patreon.com slash chedzar. And I'm posting all everything I work on as I do it. And let's see. Oh, I got on threads. Everyone's talking about threads versus Twitter. Um, I kind of like it. I don't, I don't, I'm not stoked on what Twitter's turned into. Uh, but I'm just at chats are like, like I am everywhere. I feel like I'm missing something. I need to write a list of everything I'm supposed to say at the beginning of the show. It's only been like five or six years. <laughs> I haven't managed to do that. Uh, I think that's everything. I, uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'll probably remember as soon as I'm done. Anyway, I got to get done with this cause I have to get this thing posted. Uh, that's it. So I hope you enjoy, um, my interview with the amazing Alex Pardee. Here we go. Hello, Alex. 
Hello, Jet. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Are you in your fancy studio that's like five minutes from me that I've never seen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you'd call it fancy. I mean, I'm in a warehouse that I, behind me, I put toys up. So it looks like I'm, I'm in somewhere that's not just a garage. It looks very nice, but this is your place. That's, that's, I mean, you're so close to me, right? It's so, I know it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it, it really is. But I mean, it just kind of goes to show you that I think that the, the older we get, the more just focused on work and hermiting I, out. We oh yeah, totally, man. I know. I know. It doesn't matter. It's same with, uh, I think David Mang, I had him on. Mm. It's like he's got, he, I think he's in your neighborhood too, I think. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 totally crazy. Anyway, uh, so how are you doing? I am doing good. I'm I'm uh, I'm prepping for the illustrious Comic-Con, which will be my 30, wait, not my 30, sorry, my, 20, <laughs> my 23rd, which is almost. Really? 23rd? Yeah, I started in, I started in 99 and I missed one year. Oh my so. God. I mean, not including COVID, I guess. So maybe like 22, whatever, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so I'm kind of in crunch time. I leave on Monday. So I'm just, my place is in shambles and. Oh man, you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to ruin your flow. I didn't even. Oh no, 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 no. This is like, <laughs> I, I need the social interaction to, to <laughs> keep going. Otherwise I'm just like ripping my, my bald skin out of my hair since I have no hair left to rip out. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's this uh, this podcast is is really my social life. Really, it's like <laughs> I end up I talk to you know someone I don't usually talk to once a right. week, and that's it <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, it was fun. I had a stream. I had like a, a streaming show for a, a while, and uh, it, it was really really kind of beneficial and almost therapeutic to just kind of like you know I would bring friends over and, mm. and hang out and draw with them and stuff, and then interacting with the chat and stuff. Doing it doing it live was a little bit uh stressful at sometimes because i ended up spending so much more time preparing than i wanted to oh yeah 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 but i had to kind of stop but well um yeah i mean we we've i've known you for a long time now right yeah i mean yeah. my my first i don't know how we first got in touch with each other but i know that i remember you sent me your comics your bunny with comics <laughs> and uh and I remember just like being like, holy shit, these are really funny, you know, because I get yeah. I get sent a lot of stuff. And I'm trying it's not to think always it. <laughs> it's I not think... always great stuff. And then I saw and, I, and and so when you get something that's like really good, you're like, oh, shit. You know what I mean, it was like, this is really funny. This is really good. It was always such a vulnerable state too, to like send people that I really admire stuff, especially when when, you know, like it's, it's hard to tell if you have similar sensibilities or something. Right. But it, it really is kind of like. I come from a really shy and recluse background. So sometimes like one of the reasons I created art was as a way to communicate. Yeah, for you know? sure. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think that like that, that did kind of help build early friendships and stuff early on. But I think I'm trying to remember, I almost feel like we got introduced or at least I got introduced to you with my very brief interaction with Cam DeLeon. Oh, okay. Like way back in, I think it was like 2001 or 2002, the toy company that I was working with was working on a toy with him. Mm. And at the, and I believe that's how we got, how I found out about you. And then almost the same year, Dave Korea was like obsessed with you as well. So, and he still is, which is great. So am I. So he's, he's, <laughs> but, he's coming on. 
<laughs> he's coming on, he's coming on soon uh, i just got to schedule it we already made plans for it cool so yeah so i think so we, we were definitely on on around that same zeitgeist around the early 2000s right yeah and i know you uh you and david and somebody came to my house yeah you remember yeah, that, we, yeah we did. that was out, in, when i was painting in the garage when i yep. had my studio set up in the garage and, and, and you tried to get me to sculpt. well you did get me to sculpt and i i i failed miserably which is <laughs> I don't, I don't remember you know all, all i remember is that i have that mask somewhere is i had this zombie mask that was all rotted and <laughs> yeah. just basically hanging in pieces it didn't even function as a mask it had hair and just pieces and you and there's a picture of us staying there and you're wearing that mask and it's like so so disturbing because it doesn't look like you're you're a zombie ma guy it's just like weird it's like yeah. a guy with crazy hair and like strips of rotten flesh kind of hanging off uh, such a fun day. We, we we filmed a lot of that in there too which we never did anything with the footage but i think we have that somewhere oh wow yeah yeah i remember you were shooting something that would be that would be good to unearth if you yeah know. we had like a whole like you were like one of the last stops we had a whole um countrywide kind of documentary slash tour that we were doing at the time oh so, wow yeah wow so you know i don't even know i don't know your life story so i want to hear how did this all happen <laughs> well when i was born i was already 29 <laughs> so now i feel really old um um wow life story i feel art like kid the art kid were you the art kid in school and I, all that stuff i was the scribble kid the if scribble. that makes sense like i i was never I wasn't actually interested or had any kind of realistic goal of wanting to be an artist or anything until I was like in my, until I was a teenager. Mm. Uh, when I was uh, like looking back on things like early on, like in school, like my sister and I would like dumpster dive and get Sunday comics and try to, you know, redraw Garfield and Hagar and stuff mm -hmm. and do like caricatures of my friends in school in fourth grade or make funny, funny drawings of the teacher and get in trouble. But like, I wasn't, really interested in it too much mm -hmm. um obviously i liked artistic things like i fell in love with garbage pill kids it, and fell in love with ec comic reprints and fell in love with todd mcfarlane and these like weird hr geiger stuff like mm -hmm. you know um but i wasn't ever really like thought that it was ever a reality that i could achieve anything like that um uh and it wasn't until uh i uh, it it's always like such a weird thing to tell to talk about but like just not not like weird anyways um <laughs> <laughs> when i was like 14 i got diagnosed with severe anxiety depression and panic disorder oh, shit. um and uh and and back then it was like less diagnosed I yeah guess, that's what i was gonna say that's a, that's that wasn't such a common thing back then so yeah, you, must, was, you must have had it bad it was 89, 90. It was, it, it, it happened because, well, there wasn't like a, a catalyst for it, which is really weird. Um, like there was no necessarily trigger, but, hmm. uh, once it did happen, like the way that the reason I got kind of like so harshly, I got, I got put in a mental hospital for a while for oh, a few weeks shit. and, and stuff when I was 14. And so, um, but what happened was I, all of a sudden just like, slowly started feeling like I can't function in the world. Like I can't go to school. I can't do wow. anything. And, and so I would go so far as to like, you know, I would 
I would pretend to be sick for a week. And then my parents would be like, dude, you're not sick. Like they'd take me to the doctor and they'd be like, you're not sick. You're going to school. So then they would like take me to school. So then I started like making like back then it was a lot easier to kind of like make like fake sick notes mm -hmm. or something. So I would like go home early after the first period every time. And then I would just like hide in the garage. Oh my God. That's so sad. And then, and then one, one time I like my parents called the the school and was like, Hey, we need, you know, our son's homework for the past two weeks. He's been out. And they were like, Oh, he hasn't been here for months. Oh my <laughs> and, God. Wow. And so then it was kind of like a, okay, we got to like figure something out. And, and I, at the time I, I didn't understand what was going on. I still kind of, you know, obviously don't, but, uh, I, I would, I don't, especially now as I get older and I understand, like, I don't fault my parents for, I don't like say like my, my, my parents didn't throw me in the hospital. Like they, right. took, me yeah, to yeah. they took me to a psychologist and we got, you know, examined and I did the thing that was confusing was doing all these like kind of like psychological tests that I didn't know if they were right or wrong answers for and mm -hmm. didn't know what I was doing. Cause there was no trigger. Like every doctor would be like, Oh, like what happened at home? And I'm like, nothing like my parents are together. I've never abused. Oh, wow. like, you know, like it's, so it was, it, it was a weird thing and it, it ultimately just, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't know what kind of, I wonder if there's like a, a history way back in your family or something, because it sounds like purely chemical, like yeah, some, there, some switch you know, went off in your head for some reason. Well, you know, what's, what's interesting, and this is not something that I found out until later in life, um, is that, and it's not a hundred percent diagnosis this now, because I still struggle with it. Mm. Um, it never, it's never something that, that fully went away. I've kind of gone up and down with being able to control it. And hmm. you know, I was medicated for a while. Then I was off medication, this and that. Uh, uh, but um, is my, my father has Tourette syndrome. Oh, and, interesting. And, and his Tourette syndrome didn't kick in until he was 14. And his is a, a more of a physical tics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But there is a tie between Tourette syndrome, OCD and anxiety. Yep. And so like, Later in life, they kind of diagnosed me as like having like a minor form of Tourette's that could be tied to the anxiety triggers. Mm. Um, but there, it's not something that's like treatable. Right. Know? Well, no, who knows? Yeah. Just, wow. Wow. Um, that's that's. But yeah, that's, but that's, so that's that's actually what I was. I guess what I was getting at was when I was in the hospital. Um, is when I like we could talk about the hospital all day. It's not important because right. there's some fun stuff in there for sure right. but like one of the things was like i kept trying to find something that would escape like they had a basketball court i would try to play basketball they had these like arts and crafts things that would like make leather bracelets or do this and whatever and and nothing was making me feel better until like the middle of the night one night i just like took out napkins and i just started like scribbling and not paying attention and then like little did i know like two hours had passed and i felt fine and wow. i was like okay i was like okay like whatever this is, this scribbling, like this is something I can focus on and I'm just going to do it. And, uh, and then like my, my dad brought in some like art instructional books for kids and stuff. And, you know, I was doing like five-year-old books at when I was 14 and I was like, cool, let's do this. That's and, cool. And so I just kind of kept like, kept drawing from there. And, and, uh, and I was just like, this is what I wanted. It's not, it wasn't even something I wanted to do. I was just like, this is something that I kind of like need to do in right. order to stay sane so it 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 still at that point wasn't a goal in to do professionally but mm -hmm. it was just something that i knew that i like i needed to feel better yeah yeah i could see that like uh yeah, yeah it's uh, uh using it therapeutically making you mm -hmm. feel better and then you start associating that with enjoyment 
and feeling yeah. better and it, it almost takes on a life of its own it, exactly. you know uh, yeah. that's that's so cool for your parents to to see you have gone you know i i know what it's like you know to have kids and stuff it's like having your kid in a in a uh, having to put your kid in a mental hospital would be very difficult and oh, yeah. and to see and to have to go through that and then to see you come out of it and become successful as an artist is kind of amazing i mean that must be so yeah, I, they must be so proud of you and happy that it turned out that way you know what i mean yeah i think I, they they definitely are ultimately like my parents are great they're super supportive they always they always have been supportive there was obviously like a long road because like in the early 90s and stuff like there wasn't you know there wasn't a promise of a career as much as it is today right. there wasn't outside of advertising or yeah. fine art museum curation or something yeah, right like yeah. you know and and so i like they did obviously often encourage me to kind of have backup plans and go to business school be a you know like that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and so i so there, were, there was a long time where I did kind of feel like I was disappointing them, but I think overall they they knew that I'd be fine. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, that's cool, man. What a great story. That's a, a hero's journey there. <laughs> <laughs> and look at you now. So, so uh, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Antioch, California. Which oh, is okay. Kind of Isn't that's where? Down outside of San Francisco. What? Sorry. Well, it's like a small town outside of San Francisco. And that's. Oakland. Dave's from there. Is Dave from there too? Dave is, Dave is from a little bit, um, like closer to the to San Francisco. He's from, I believe, I want to say Danville, San Ramon area. Okay, yeah, which is kind of also in the same county, technically. Okay, so uh, uh, at what point did you? Uh, I mean, were they were the comics the bunny with comics? Were, was that the first kind of like big project you did as a professional artist, or how did how did you transition into making those? Because that's the first thing I know. I've I saw you do from what I remember. So my, I, I have, I had once again, everything that I've done, which is why like, I'm still so DIY to this day is because it was out of like fear of interaction with people and fear of rejection. Kind yeah, of just I like, so, I can so relate to that. And, and so like <laughs> when, when I finally decided, like, I, I think I was feeling a little bit better. I had just, I was like, all I wanted to do through high school was just get, through high school. I was like, I don't care if I get all D's. Like, I just need to get mm -hmm. through, like, I'll be proud of myself. So I got through high school and then I was like, I want to do something with art. Um, so I, I worked retail and I went to junior college, but I didn't go to junior college for art. I went for business to try to do backup stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I was drawing nightly and nightly and nightly. And I was kind of like, I was like, oh, I want to be a comic book artist. Like, that'd be awesome. So I started kind of like submitting art to all the, the places at the time, you know, Marvel and DC and Dark Horse and Oni and Slave Labor and all these ones at the time. And every single one of them, rightfully so, because I didn't submit sequential work. I didn't submit like right, like scripts. I didn't submit <laughs> that they had drawn already. Like I didn't, I didn't submit the right things. Yeah. I just did stuff and all the letters were like, basically like you suck until further notice, like, you know, call, call us back. And, and I was like, well, that sucks. And I was like, <laughs> I don't, I was like, well, I don't want to like, do typical like superhero stuff and i i had seen at that point one of the things that got me to that point was uh was it was seeing sam keith the max mm -hmm. when i was at a pretty pretty impressionable age i think 15 or 16 and like real like seeing that something could be disguised as a comic book and, and a comic book superhero 
that was actually like a really human, emotional, depressive story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I just like really connected with that. And it was like the art was emotional and weird. And so I was like, I don't want to do traditional stuff. I want to do stuff like this. And then so I just, um, you know, didn't want to kind of keep going through those rejection cycles. So I just kind of like looked up what it took to publish my own stuff. Um, and I couldn't find any information about it. So I this just is like pre-internet too, right? Uh, not necessarily pre-internet it was 95 about okay so. so like i had like i could go to the library and use it or i could like you know uh, use it for 15 minutes at home or whatever but <laughs> but there wasn't much much information so basically like i found in a newspaper ad i found a co-op in florida called a small it's called small press co-op i think is what it was called and uh they basically said like you know the ad was like print your own comic book for, you know, a hundred dollars. And I was like, all right, let's try this. And, <laughs> and so, oh no, no, wait. So I'm sorry, before even that, I was totally just like doing Kinko stuff. Like I, I like was trying to like, oh, I'll just make zines for my friends oh, or cool. whatever. Um, and so like I did like, you know, three or four books that were definitely not traditional comic books. They were more like personal journals with illustrations in them kind of. Mm -hmm and and characters and monologues and short stories and I, and I did those kind of at kinko's and then uh i didn't even have my name on them um i would distribute them kind of like i would go to the junior colleges and put them there i would go to like tattoo shops and put them there I'd go to tower records and put them in there just for free like just That's shove cool. them off, you know um and uh and then eventually like i was pretty embarrassing is a, a weird word but i was like pretty like just private with them i didn't really want anybody to know that i was doing them mm -hmm. And, uh, and then ultimately like one of my friends kind of convinced me like, oh, you should like get this printed and, and print more than, you know, 50 of them or something. I'm like, all right. So that's how I kind of found that co-op. And I, uh, I ultimately just made up my own publisher, like pretended that I had a publisher yeah. put a, put a, uh, published by a thing on, on it, um, and got these, my first comic book. And that was in 97. And then that, um, what was sorry, that comic? It was, it was called my book of colors and all those stories were kind of like loosely themed around different colors. Okay. And I had originally printed each, each different page was on the color corresponding to the story. And it was, it, <laughs> they're not good, but it was, it was fun and it was a way to be creative. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and so what, I, what, um, what then happened and so this is all still pre bunny with okay. is, um, I once again, like submitted these to like tried to find a distributor like oh diamond comics will you distribute it last gasp will you distribute it right. and, and everyone was just like these aren't comic books like sorry you know like we're not doing it i was like okay and then so i was like well how can i get around that and i'm like i'll just go to the stores myself so i but i was like i don't want to go to comic book stores i'll go to like where what stores that also like might like this so i'll go to music stores and tattoo shops and stuff like that smart um, and so i went basically like <laughs> sent uh some of these comics to tower records and tower magazines at the time and i remember specifically um the magazine buyer at the time his name was clinton johns and he i called him i sent them to him and then i called him and i was like hey i dropped off these comic books i just wanted to see if you guys wanted to buy any and he looked at it and it was all black and white and and he goes oh it it's, just looks like a coloring book we don't do coloring books and then uh 
or no, he said, it looks like a comic or we don't do comic books. And then at the time, graffiti was huge and graffiti magazines were like so many of them in tower records. Mm-hmm. And, and so I corrected him and I said, oh, it's not a comic book. It's a graffiti coloring book. <laughs> like, he goes, oh, it's a graffiti coloring book. Okay, cool. Give me a hundred. of them. I was like, all right, cool. That's so great. And so I got a hundred of my comics in tower records and I sent them to him. And then like literally the following week he called and he goes, I don't know what you got, but like we sold all of them. So can I have a thousand of them? And I was like, shit. I was like, what? I was like, well, (laughs) I need time to print those. So hold on. But yeah. And I just kind of like, was like, cool. And then, um, basically tower records from that point on, um, became my distributor. Wow. So, so for, from 97 to 2001, they put out all of my comics um, that I did in all of their stores worldwide. Wow. I had no idea. That's crazy. And, and, it was, and it was awesome. So like, you know, and then, and my, my, you know, I didn't have a website at the time, but my email was there, like guest book or whatever was there. And so I started getting feedback from places like, you know, like Japan and, and, and stuff. Shit. And I was just like, this is so cool. Like what, what's going on? And then the books ended up doing so well that tower had, and this is all due to this guy, Clint Johns, who was the head buyer at the time. Wow. And they had their own internal print shop because they printed all their own advertising for corporate stuff. All of it was in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And they, they basically like, were like, Hey, like we'll, we'll become like your, your printer and publisher. If you want to just like start doing everything through us. And I was just like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so, so tower records, you know, like basically became like, I didn't make any money from it that's what i was gonna ask you is like you must have made a bunch of money right i made zero dollars but it didn't matter like because when tower was buying them it was like they would buy them only if the cover price could be under three dollars and i was getting them printed for like you know a dollar fifty a piece and then they would buy them wholesale for a dollar sixty so you were just making the you're just covering the cost it was was basically just like uh, i was using it as advertisement Mm -hmm. and and then when they became the print shop, it was like they would basically just like print things as a, a, a fronting me the printing costs and then would take it back on the back end when they would buy them from me. Oh, and sell I them. So, so I would have like, you know, a stack of books to, to take to comic books, you know, shows or something, but I would never made any money off of it. And I did that for years. Wow. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, how are you making money? Where I was working living? for, Ta- I ended up working for Tower. I moved out to Sacramento. And I got a job at the Tower Warehouse being in charge of international magazine returns, which meant that I spent my day sorting through all the weird porn magazines that they had at Tower Records that would get returned. <laughs> that was my job. All the while, while, and then I would go home at night and draw weird comics and then they would print them. And it was so it was such a weird time, but like really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. I mean, that's like uh you didn't have a, a a a weird lull period building your your name up and stuff it's just like you did these this comic and then boom it's like you've got them all over the world yeah i, I yeah and it it was weird because it was still like like it didn't it didn't have an instant effect it just like in my world of going from like trying to get five people to look at something to all of a sudden a thousand people are looking at something like that was huge right for me. yeah so i like, can imagine and, and and so like it felt it felt very crazy but yeah but there wasn't like it without any social media without any kind right. of like 
know, big friend groups without anything online. Like it didn't feel right. like anybody was even paying attention. Wow. So wow. weird. That's crazy. Okay. So t- what's, what's the next step? What happened next? <laughs> this is so interesting, really. No, no, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're, I'm, if I'm talking too much, please let me know. Cause I sometimes I haven't talked about it. A lot of this stuff in a long time. So, uh, oh, no, it, no. you're okay. doing, you're doing perfect. Awesome. So, um, so the next step, which w- it kind of brings us to bunny with, um, is, uh, I made, I had this, I was also still to the, this was still 99, 2000, I think. And I was still convinced that I was never going to make any money in art. And so I was still going to like, I ultimately did like seven years of junior college from the Bay area and out to Sacramento now where I lived. And so I was going to Sacramento city, city college and, uh, my math teacher had this, uh, like basically like uh very inaudible heavy accent mm-hmm. and so learning complicated math from somebody that has a very heavy accent i would just zone out i'm just like i can't figure this <laughs> math is already bad enough yeah i was just like this stuff so i started using that class and i i was like i was like ang- angry i don't the teacher was kind of a dick too so mm-hmm. it, i was just like kind of angry at this class so i started drawing t- pictures of this teacher i started scribbling pictures of this teacher with different ailments right like i started like drawing like different ailments and so it was like this teacher has herpes this teacher with this this teacher with this and and it was it was making me laugh and then (laughs) um and then that that like kind of trope of making something with something just to make myself laugh and continue this therapy was like ultimately turned into this cute little bunny that i thought was funnier to do with i'd take this cute bunny and right arms off and now it's bunny with no arms or bunny with you know big brain and and <laughs> so that uh so i made this like little ash can zine for the alternative press expo that i was just giving out for free it was like a 10 page zine that had like you know 50 or so of these shitty bunny withdrawings and um and i went there and i gave them out for free and then i brought it in to work with me and i passed one off to my boss who was ultimately now this guy clint johns and uh and he goes, oh, this is cool. What's this? And I just completely had no intention of making it bigger than this little ash can thing. And I was like, oh, that's my next comic. And he goes, cool. We'll take a thousand. When is it in? When are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, All right. I guess I have to do it now. I was like, oh, yeah, it'll be done in like a month. And then so I just like went home and was like, all right, making this into like a big book. So <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> so and every, I feel like every step of the way is kind of like, I have like big aspirations, but I treat them as a joke and then the joke becomes serious. And then I go, oh, now it's time to like do this joke thing. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so perfect. <laughs> it, it suits you. <laughs> it just seems, it seems kind of perfect for you. I think that approach kind of continued the rest of my life, but um, yeah, like, uh, so yeah. So then, then kind of like uh, there's one more thing to the bunny with thing, which is interesting is, once again, it was just this little joke that I started in my room. And uh, this was still now over 20 years ago. And I took the first issue of Bunny With that, that I got professionally printed, the tower actually printed. And I took it down to Comic-Con in two, the year 2000. I was sharing a booth with this other horror company called Rotten Cotton. I remember and, them. <laughs> yeah, so I, they were from Antioch as well. So oh, I was okay. sharing, sharing the booth with them. And I had my Bunny With comics and some of my other art. 
And, uh, and I only brought, I think I brought 200 copies, which I thought I would never sell. At this point, I was selling maybe 20, 30 copies of a comic at, at a, an art show, at a comic book convention or something like that, mm -hmm. right? Tower was still my main distribution and nobody gave a shit in person, which is fine. <laughs> and, uh, and so I had this bunny with book and uh, this is like still like one of my favorite kind of like favorite Comic-Con experiences. I think it was my second or third year and I was there and I sold a couple issues of bunny with and then somebody would come back and go, hey, that bunny with book's really funny. And I was like, oh, thanks. You know, and they'd be like, I told my friend about it. He wants to buy one. I'm like, okay, cool. And I, you know, the first couple of days I sold like, you know, 40 or 50 and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is awesome. Like my best, this is like the best day of my life. And, um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like celebrities started coming over, wow. like, and people that like, I had like no idea how to communicate with, like, like the head of Nickelodeon's development came over and was like, I got told about this bunny with book. I want to buy it. Let's talk about making it a cartoon. I was Holy like, what shit, is are you serious? Yeah, it was not. And, and, and then, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans comes over and was wow. like, hey, Hey, I heard about this weird bunny book. Like, let's, what do you got here? I was like, oh, like Rob Zombie came over and I met Rob Zombie and wow. like I have pictures with all these people. Cause I'm just like, have this huge smile on my face. At the end, right? <laughs> um, and then, uh, and there was one that I'll, I'll always regret for the rest of my life was, uh, Richard Taylor from Weta came over to get one. And, and like, I, it was, was what, uh, I knew him about him from like, like I was obsessed with like dead alive and, and yeah. some of the stuff, Brightner, stuff that Peter Jackson was yeah. doing. And I, th I think Lord of the Rings had just got announced and I don't think they were working on it quite yet, but maybe they were, but I knew who he was and I, I called him Australian <laughs> and, and he got <laughs> so annoyed that like i he just turned around and walked away and oh, i no. always regret that for the rest of i'm like i'm like i because i knew i knew he was from new zealand but i was still just like in the heat of the moment i forget i made some kind of australian joke and it was off color and he <laughs> walked away and, and i was like wait i'm sorry okay <laughs> you never talked to him again no, it'd be it funny not. to it'd be funny to talk to him again and yeah. apologize. <laughs> I, I I have an apology written. It's still in my back pocket. I carry it with you. <laughs> um, wow. but yeah, but I ended up selling out of those books before Saturday, which was awesome. So, wow, man. Yeah, and then and then That's it kind exciting. of I got obsessed with kind of the the bunny with arc for a minute, and then made toys and books, and you know, went, did did the thing again where like nobody would care to carry the toys it was like i feel like everything that i did wasn't necessarily pre-internet but it was definitely you had to do a lot harder research to figure out how yeah. to do it. yeah right? like for sure. like making a toy was nearly yeah. impossible yeah right? how the hell did you figure that out <laughs> it was through like once again it was through connections that like like tower records the guy like the toy department of tower records oh, would go right. i think you can like call this guy do you want to call give this guy okay. a call so i still had to do the work mm -hmm. but it was still like, i had to figure it out and do the work and call you know and, and stuff um uh but then you know it was like i think being naive in those situations and just kind of like having blind passion really helped because i didn't know like what could go i didn't know what was incorrect as far as right. like you know 
etiquette, right? I didn't know if it was, I didn't know it was in bad taste to just walk into someone's office and go here, you want this? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, but now I'd get shot. Right. right. You know? and, and so like, it was, it was the same thing where like, I, the tower records thing worked. So I was like, well, these are toys. Why not Spencer's gifts at the, you know, at the time Spencer's was the mall shop. I was like, how can I get fucked up toys into the mall? And I was like, well, I'll just call Spencer and in hot topic. And, and like, Hot Topic was like, Hot Topic was already at that point, like blowing up so big that they were already like too corporate. But Spencer's was like a little bit sleazier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Spencer's was always like, like, I don't care. Like what? It's a bunny. It's got a dick on it. Yeah. Let's put it in the store. (laughs) I I got this like deal with Spencer's pretty quickly. Wow. And and had all these like bunny with toys. Did they buy up front from you or did you? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean they they clearanced them out pretty quickly. So, <laughs> but but they bought them for me, so I'm fine with that. Um, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. So, and I just continued that naivete for years. Right, that's amazing. That must have been hard. Also, you know, you you mentioned that you're naturally a shy person, and I've talked about because I am. I was always the, like the shyest kid uh, mm-hmm. that I knew growing up. I was always like painfully shy and um uh it's like whenever i had to do something i didn't want to do you know like go for a like when i got into effects go for a a job interview in effects or even when i started painting and wanted to get into galleries i would like have to force myself to go to openings and meet people and get in there and it was like i don't know i guess it was it was so hard. It's normally it was so hard for me to do that, but I guess because I really wanted to make it happen, you know, I wanted a job in effects really bad. I wanted to be in in galleries, and so mm-hmm. it was like I would. Uh, that's all I needed to get me over that hump, but it's still painful. Oh my god, it's it, painful. It never, I don't think it gets any better either. I mean, I've I've I'm the same way. Um, one of the things that helped me and does help me to this day is is a feeling of is giving myself a purpose or feeling like i have a purpose right Mm -hmm. like it's and and i I worked at i worked at kb toys for eight years through the 90s as well Mm -hmm. as i was going to school and stuff and and when i started at kb toys i was probably the most shy like i was fresh out of the (laughs) mental hospital like (laughs) barely had any friends in high school like barely like i was just like this is terrifying. I'm working in a mall where there's everybody's my age and it's this weird mall rat. Right. Like I don't have any friends here. This is crazy. But having like a, having a counter in front of me and having a purpose to say hello to people, right? Like it's my job to say hello. So right. I'm going to be like, hello, how are you? Like, what can I help you with? Like that, having that kind of sense of purpose helped. And then like, once I left around the counter, I was just a miserable shy. Right. Yeah. And and I took that approach with the art because one of the reasons I got into art originally was because of the privateness of it. I, it was, I was attracted to this personal story that I could do and this experience that I can, you know, I, I really wanted to get into filmmaking when I was younger. I wanted to make movies yeah, so bad. Here. Me too. And, and it was a pretty, a pretty apparent, like, no go for me once i kind of like realized that like you literally need at least one other person (laughs) i mean it's possible to set up a tripod and do all the acting but like literally like you need at least one person to help yeah and 
I was just like not talking to that person, not going to share my ideas with that person, <laughs> not going to do whatever. So I'm not doing movies. Um, and, uh, and so I, I got into art and then um, kind of simultaneously, it overlaps a little bit, but the first form of art that I got into was graffiti. Mm. And that was because it was the most pro like it was it was so secretive that like you don't even use your name right you don't even like right. it was just i just need to create something and i don't want anybody to see it it'll get painted over tomorrow when the cops show up you know like whatever mm -hmm. and i'm just like i just need the act of doing it and then all of a sudden as i started kind of doing my own self-publishing and stuff like the internet did start kind of like picking up a little bit and then there was like a pretty like i remember like i think like one of my first like interviews online um for like bleeding cool magazine or something like that. it was something that was like a, an internet site in the early 2000s and they asked for a picture like a headshot and i was like are you kidding me like this is <laughs> like i was offended i was like dude like this is art like why do you, you don't need to see what I look like? Like what the fuck? And like, you know, and I wasn't the most confident person with what I look like. You know? So <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm not doing that. And then, you know, and, and my friend at the time, one of my roommates was like, he was, he was a business guy and he was going to school for business. And he was like, he like had like a serious conversation with me. And he's like, the world's changing. The internet is here. You need to start showing your face. It's okay. Wow. You know, like, need to do this and 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 i was just like fine take a picture of <laughs> and then it kind of like at uh, and then yeah and then and then from there it kind of did start like kind of like being like well if i'm gonna do conventions i'm gonna have to talk to people right. or if i'm do you know if i'm gonna try to pitch a cartoon i'm gonna have to walk into a studio and say this is what i want to do you know and and so i kind of like had to just bite the bullet yeah uh, and figure it out and be like, okay, this is the new world I'm choosing to live in. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, that's what, uh, I know that was Cam's idea. Cam DeLeon's idea with happy yeah. pencil. It's like, he didn't okay. want to be in, he wanted it to be, he wanted to be totally behind the scenes and happy pencil would kind of like right. be his brand. But, um, I, I, uh, you know, I was in a band too. I was like the front man okay. singer, no lead guitar player for a band for oh, 10, I don't think I knew that. That's 10 awesome. years. Yeah. I was in a bunch of bands and i was so shy but it was always it was like and i think this goes back to childhood being super super shy kid is that i felt like in the same way you're talking about having a purpose like being a salesperson you're able to deal with the shyness for me it was like the art or or especially in the band it's like uh i was playing music that i believed in and it was almost like a shield Mm -hmm. And it's like the music is the focus. I can I can get behind this music. I felt like the music or when I was a kid, like the, the picture is what people are going. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And so yeah. it's almost like you're hiding behind that in a way. It's almost totally. like a protective shield that allows you to, uh, uh, you know, deal with the shyness. At least that's how it was, was with me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one. That was one of the things that that attracted me so much was that, like, I finally had a, you know, going back to like sending you bunny with books like i i went through stage like i i really believed in kind of like my art speaking for me mm -hmm. and yeah like I, would, I would try to send it out you know like and then once the internet did kind of hit it 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 was the same thing where like i i wasn't personally going out and being like hello my name is alex party i'm an illustrator you should hire me it was more like i'll find message boards 
of things that have similar interests and I'll just put my artwork up there and go, what do you guys think? You know, like, right. And, um, and, uh, pre-social media. I mean, this is what social media is now, you know, it's, yeah, it was just forums. I'd find forums. I'd be like, Oh, if you, who likes spawn comics? Cool. Let me go to that forum and and put up some of my art there and, you know, and and who likes horror movies? I'm going to go put some of this (laughs) on. And, uh, and you know, what's funny is, um, kind of like continuing on this kind of journey of like naivete and, and randomness. I was doing that pretty frequently, right? Like I wasn't getting paid jobs. I was doing at this time, it was about 2002. I was living with Dave Korea in Walnut Creek. Um, we had become pretty, pretty close at the time. And so I was living with him and we were both just kind of trying to figure out what to do with art. And I was just relentlessly just spreading it on every forum I could find and, mm-hmm. and, and doing any kind of like local band flyer band art you know whatever i could find trade me for a jacket or a hamburger and i'm good and i'll draw you whatever you want. um and uh and i had posted a bunch of my art on this invader zim forum and i didn't know about i didn't know that this was the what happened to later on um but what happened was i was was um posted my art on there and then a few weeks later, I got a call from Warner Brothers Records. And uh, Warner Brothers called me and was like, hey, like, we represent this band called The Used, who I'd heard of. And I was like, and they were like, we want you to work on their album. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, you want me to do a flyer? Cool, it's $40, you know? Like, <laughs> like, 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 like fuck off, you know? And, and, and they were like, no, no, no. Like, like, we got you a plane ticket. We're flying you down to Burbank tomorrow and we want you to, I was like, you're doing what? I was like so confused. And I was like, hey, Dave, I guess I'm flying to, like, I'd, I'd only been in a plane one other time. I'd never done any kind of, feels like this and i was still you know i was still getting stuff distributed through tower at the time they were mm-hmm. still alive but i was i was not working there um yeah i remember and, you contacted me about that so, so that was that was the time that was like the main the first i think communication that you and i might have right. had like i was like dave, like i think dave put us directly in touch it was through myspace i think maybe even right that yeah that sounds right and um and so i i i flew down to la had this crazy like hollywood style meeting with this band that i had no idea what was going on uh i have some uh, scattered thoughts of what was going on at the time but i just remember like flying down there being like i don't know what i'm doing and flying back home with a job as like the <laughs> director and i was like okay i guess i don't know what that entails so i'm doing it oh my and, god and then uh kind of like one of the first gigs was working on their 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 was doing kind of like everything for their album from the logo design to the the album art and the layout and the graphics and so that's when i i called you you were kind of the only other person that i knew to you know i i at that point i think todd mcfarland had done something but i obviously couldn't get a hold of him so i was just like <laughs> what do i do and you were very very helpful because you did give me a range of like here's a low end range, here's a oh, high yeah. end. And here's kind of like what my experience has been. Here's kind of some experiences that I know through cam or through this. And, and, you know, so it was very helpful. And because of that, I, it, it made the job worth it. I think. Oh, because good. Of your, so that's great. Um, yeah. And then that, that became my job for six years. What, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I, I Working with there. that band for six years. Is that what you're, 
as I was, like the I was, art director of the band, I, kind of? Yeah, I was basically their live-in and traveling creative director for six years. Holy shit, I didn't know that. So I did, through the course of three albums, two DVDs, two tours, I did almost almost everything visual that they had from a little placard in Virgin Records to their merch to the backdrops of their tours and everything. That must have been really fun. I mean, I don't know. It was cool. It was, it, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it would be. That Was the band cool and everything? The I mean, band yeah. was incredible. Um, I have I have very terrible experiences with the label. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, especially, yeah. Especially not having any of that experience going into it. Yeah. And, and spending, you know, like the first couple of years were basically spent like getting a lot of of advantage taken of in, in hindsight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but at the time it was kind of like, it was a learning experience. I I'm like, I'm not bitter about any of the experiences that I had. Um, but yeah, but there was some, some stuff. I mean, like by the, by the, by the time I had, you know, the, the reason I kind of like stopped doing it, working with them and it had nothing to do with the band itself. It was, it was everything at once. It was like, the labels were scrambling because people were downloading music. This was around 2008 or so. Mm-hmm. And, and they didn't know what to do about downloading budgets were being cut left and right. There was no budgets for art. Right. Like the last album that I did was a six month process where I actually ended up losing a ton of money on it because Gosh. it, because a uh, long story short, I was by now I was fully in charge of almost everything they did. So I was in charge of pitching the budget to the record label. I was in charge of delegating all the tasks to it. I was in charge of getting all these things. So they had greenlit a certain budget for, you know, photography and makeup and this and art design and whatever. And then as we were working on it, um, I actually, for that, I was working on a big rubber head like effect. So I was working with, um, do you know, Mark Villalobos? I know, I, I, yeah, yeah, okay, I know the name. I'm not guy. sure if I met him or not, but yeah. His, his company, yeah, like I was working with him. And so like we had to work on these things, you know, months in advance. And so I was, they had greenlit a certain budget. And this is, goes back to like naive horror story stuff that I would never do again. And I would advise <laughs> anybody to never do. But I was so excited about what I was doing at such a big budget that they greenlit me for this astronomical budget and so I took out personal credit cards to get going on these. Like, uh, I was like, no, no, no. They like, it's Warner brothers. They have the money. They said that <laughs> money. So I would then in turn be like, you know, go to Mark Villalobos and be like, how much is it going to cost for like nine giant full walk around characters? And they're like, you know, $80,000. And uh, I'm like, done, you know, like let's do it. And I'm like taking out credit card after credit card to buy equipment and to give it. And then all of a sudden, like, halfway you know a month goes by and they go hey you know we we took like 10 percent out of the budget and i'm like oh that's fine i just will use my own camera equipment i won't rent this stuff it's fine we'll do that and then then like they'd be like hey we just got word like they axed 50 percent of the budget and i'm like 50 percent like what the f- like uh, we can't like it's already done and they're like sorry dude like you know you and, and so should have taken out up, those credit cards sorry you know, so i ended up like basically like paying for a lot of that that time. Uh, that's painful I had to kind of like ax any fee that i would get for any design and like you know make sure that everybody was paid right. so that I paid. well i imagine but prior to that it, it was a it was a good paying gig yeah it, it was great and and it was still i mean the experiences that i had was you yeah know, it, 
That's any, any it, it was awesome. Like, it's it's super reputable too. I mean, just as like something to put in your resume, so to speak, that you were the art director for this successful band. That's kind of a big deal, you know. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. and it, it got me other gigs too. I mean, I kind of became like a temporary art director for In Flames, and then I did a lot of like hip hop stuff. So hmm. it was cool. Wow, amazing. Yeah, I've I've got uh, uh, a friend in the music industry. <laughs> um once told me that uh he's like record labels it's like it's like the mob it's literally they're as corrupt as the mob yeah and he would get telling me these stories of of artists getting ripped off i mean it's common knowledge now i guess that artists have been ripped off all throughout music history but the examples he gave me were just like holy shit like like uh uh, ripping people off is part of the business model. Ripping artists off is part of the business model. So I can imagine, you know, you you as a babe in the woods. Oh my god, I was on, I was like the <laughs> lowest on the totem pole that really wanted to be higher. You know, like I was just like I was like this. If I do this, I'm gonna get up on the oh, totem yeah. pole. <laughs> I was like, people need art. They love art. Art's so important in the music. It's like no, it's not. You're fine. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and the band was like so so supportive i mean i was even living with them during their their the last album i did with them but like but there was only so much that they could do yeah. when they're signed to a label that the label makes all the decisions right so right it was, it was frustrating but i also imagine it was frustrating for them as well you know oh yeah 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 i'm sure Wow. So, okay. That's, that's, uh, that's impressive. I didn't realize that was such, I, I did keep hearing your name alongside that band over the years. I didn't realize you were like the art director for them. That's pretty cool. That's cool. I just, I just finally got to see them again for the other, for the first time in 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Went down to Irvine and, and hung out and had like a little reunion and that was really nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So where, what did, what did you, uh, after that ended, where, what did you, what'd you do after that? Um, oh, so after that was, uh, basically, so I, I had kind of like, before that I had kind of started my own publishing company and my own merch company. I, like the way that kind of like my, my experience kind of went and my kind of DIY aspect was that everything was kind of a, uh, a reason, like I had to figure out how to build a website if I wanted anybody to see my art. Right. And then, to figure out how to do e-commerce if i wanted to sell a t-shirt yeah it's like well i have to figure out how to make a t-shirt if i'm going to sell a t-shirt mm -hmm. so i kind of like kept doing those things and then you know kind of without really intentionally doing it i had kind of an apparel and publishing company in the early 2000s that mm -hmm. i did myself and i was selling you know my own comic books i was selling i was finally doing kind of e-commerce stuff so i was doing direct sales instead of depending on tower records and uh and then the the used gig came up and I just kind of couldn't handle it. It was just too much to do both. So right. I kind of let my personal stuff kind of get shoved under the rug. I was still doing personal art and I was kind of getting more into occasionally doing group shows that, you know, Copro was one of the oldest ones that I would do or, you mm -hmm. know, like stuff. So it was cool that I was getting to, to have a little bit of like personal stuff in gallery shows at the time. Um, and then kind of when the used stuff started dying down, um, I just kind of went, ended up going, well, now I have a little bit more knowledge of business. I have a little bit more knowledge of this. Like, what if we tried that again? And uh, I ended up teaming up with some friends and Dave Korea is included in that. And, and we started a, 
uh, a merchant apparel company called Zero Friends. Oh, that's um, right, Zero Friends. Duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was that was the Zero Friends arc was was pretty much after that. So I had it was it was that that was also like that was kind of like the a, a really big highlight of of my life as well. Um, was this kind of arc where I finally had like. I was like, I want to create a collective. Like, I don't want, it's not just going to be about me, but I want to include these other artists. I want Skinner involved. I want Crayola involved and Dave involved and these people that I'm friends with and mm-hmm. have built relationships with. And let's, and you know, uh, I have the means to, to figure out how we can get art out there and let's just do it and whatever. Um, so I, I, you know, started this company and, and with some of my friends and we, once again, we're very naive about what a company entails, you know, right. like, we just kind of like, we're like, what if we had a, uh, you know, what if we had like retail stores all around the country? And it was like, well, I'll go to New York and start one. I'll go to here and start one. And, and, <laughs> and we would go to New York and they'd be like, this is so expensive. And we're like, yeah, but it's going to be worth it. You know? And, and so we were naively being like, like, let's do it. And, and it was all awesome. Cause it was so exciting. And I was working with friends, but just kind of like in any kind of like, you know, you've been in tons of bands. I imagine it's the same thing. Like as, you know, we were all pretty young when that started because it was all 2008 or so. It was like 15 years ago. And, and you know, people start kind of like being like, oh, is this really what I want to do with my right. life? It's like, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go get married. Or I'm going to do this. And then we would end up kind of like some people would, you know, owners would, would leave and then we'd they'd get kind of replaced with just another friend instead right. of like a, a businessman yeah. or something. <laughs> Um, and so we kind of like, you know, that, that, uh, that started getting a little bit out of hand as far as like what, you know, it, it just wasn't working mm-hmm. as a business. Um, it was just kind of like, we were still just kind of all friends, just willy nilly running around and making art, mm-hmm. uh, which was amazing. But, uh, but it kind of coincided with, uh, we, we had that for another six, seven years and then. Uh, that kind of coincided with with Dave and I leaving the company, and then I moved to Florida. <laughs> oh, right, that's right. You just, how'd you end up moving to Florida? Uh, so I moved to Florida because uh, during you know uh, 2011 or so, I started dating my girlfriend Chloe, who's incredible. And yeah, she's she's awesome. She's so cool. She's the best. Yeah. And I was never going to be anywhere without her, and I still wouldn't be. And she uh, got a really really good job uh as a one of the head marketing photographers for disney oh wow and uh and so that was also that was like one of her kind of like cool and i was beyond impressed because it was like she had just been freelance and she was shooting you know like like fashion week in new york and stuff like on her own like just doing freelance stuff and then all of a sudden disney was like hey like you know let's reach out and at the time Disney had only had one other female staff photographer in their whole kind wow. of wow, and so it was a it was a pretty big deal. So she was like, "The only thing is, I have to like move out to Florida because it's in you know it's in Florida." And and I was like, "That's okay, like you know, like go check it out, and you know if 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 it works out, then I'll move out there." And and uh, and so she went out there temporarily for like six months to kind of like start the job. And during that time is kind of when the zero friends thing was kind of like, uh, mm-hmm. so, so I was like, you know what? Like the zero friends thing's not working. Like I'm going to leave. I'm just going to go to Florida. So I, I went, uh, I went out to Florida and, and was basically a witness protection for three years. <laughs> How long were you there for? For about three years. Three yeah. years. Okay. Yeah. How'd you like it? 
<laughs> I haven't had much trauma in my life. I feel like that. I don't necessarily. Florida is, is so. It was such a weird time in my life because I was like, I had just kind of dissolved a company that I had started. I had right. just like creative friends. I had kind of like done this and, 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 and like Chloe was starting this new career. And so she was traveling a lot. So I, I was out in Florida and like, I had never had any experience with Florida before. And so it, it was, it was almost instantly was reverted back to like when I was 15 and 16, like, just like, like, okay, I guess I'm starting over again. Mm-hmm. Right. Like completely like creatively, like influence wise, friendship wise, like communication wise. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I had like such a bad taste in my mouth about like selling my own merch. So I just like, didn't start that up again. Oh, really? I ended up kind of pivoting back into doing client work and, uh, started working on, on movies that never got made and animated stuff that never got made. And, and, uh, did that for a while while I was out there and it did really feel like witness protection, like Florida's crazy. Um, like especially we were in orlando and that's where i worked i went there for oh, you did yeah uh on the swamp thing cable series oh, in the, in the 90s Dude, yeah. yeah i went and so we were out there for i don't know a couple months maybe during the summer it was we had to shoot at the swamp it was brutal man brutal yeah yeah it it from somebody coming like i had barely ever left california except to travel and like it just I had to lose, I think 30 pounds when I got there because it was just so hot. And so like just insane. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, And like the thing that I, I, uh, the interesting thing that we found out about Orlando pretty quickly is that Orlando specifically is this very weird town that was kind of like a small Valley town, right? It's in the center of Florida. So there's no oceans around it. Mm -hmm. Like Florida, it's basically Fresno. It was just a a town and, (laughs) And Disney came in and Disney bought all this land up and was like, you know, hey, we're going to make this huge world here. And so over the course of like 30 years, like Disney hired, you know, I think it was like 60, 70,000 people around the Orlando area and but didn't necessarily treat them that well. So the people that lived there that worked for Disney hated Disney and the people lived there that didn't work for disney also hated disney because they ruined their town that they grew up right so it was a very negative place yeah everybody was just so on edge and there's it was just it was just a weird place yeah 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 i definitely had uh you know aside from the heat and stuff there was definitely weird weird vibes you know there was you know i hate to say it because i'm sure there's amazing there's you know amazing people from florida but it was like uh kind of racist too <laughs> when i went down there like on set yeah. hearing hearing locals say the n-word and stuff like it was it was weird it, w- it was like i i don't you know i i don't i haven't heard that kind of talk since i was a yeah. little kid in the 70s and hearing my friend's drunk dad ranting or something you know i mean it was it was, it was shocking like from I, i've always been fascinated with weird and bizarre stuff like sideshow stuff and mm-hmm. you know weird thing so so from a spectator point of view there's some parts of florida that i absolutely love and like like we would go down to like where the old like you know sideshow freaks would like you know retire and stuff and and we go to like the museums and we go to like there's there's sorry hi harvey stop it we're dog friendly podcast don't worry (laughs) (laughs) noises 
He has a big <laughs> about Florida. Um, and, and, uh, uh, but there, there's a there's a town that's like the most spiritual town in the world. Like right? it's a town of psychics. So there's a bunch of weird like expats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. It's not like this racist hellhole. It's like it's a it's a weird place. Yeah, and, and that's like one little aspect of it. But there, but yeah, there's definitely like it's weird. It's just strange. It's like a real weird mixture of things. And uh, I met some amazing people down there too. Oh, yeah, you know? like I, it's even in in Orlando, like some of my so I ended up having some really really good friends from from mm-hmm. there. Met some really really good artists, and down in St. Petersburg, made some of the best friends I had when I was there. And you yeah, know, it, it, parts of it are really pretty, but like it was it was like shocking. Like like I like going to like. A flea market and seeing like that they're selling Ku Klux Klan robes. Right. It was like, what the fuck is yeah. going on? It was crazy. I know, I know. Well, we're on the, you know, we're on the West Coast and uh the South is a different <laughs> the South is a different place. Yeah. I was like going to like also like there's some indoor flea markets that they had there that just would have like an alligator ring in the middle, like that like kids could go up and like pet. <laughs> alligators and you're like like there's literally just like chicken wire that you can reach your hand over and just like pet an alligator and it's like there's like a kid holding a balloon and like going hey mom come here there's an alligator that's it's insane like, this is crazy. This is wow wow yeah that is kind of crazy um yeah it's funny because i never thought of florida as the south for some reason it just seemed right. kind of like its own thing but it's like it's part of the south i mean and, and when yeah. you go there you know it's kind of apparent this is part of the south but yeah. uh uh enough shitting on florida i you know i like i said there were some some of the crew members we met were just just great amazing people yeah. and like yeah, like you I, said like spirit spiritual people too there was like oh yeah some amazing uh, uh people there but it, it is it, there's a there's a weird vibe there for sure yeah i would want i would want to go back and and like i i feel like there is a lot of stuff there that's like cool and even when we were living there there was started to be like more like you know like hipster coffee places mm-hmm. more liberal areas that were like you know cool like in, in wybor city we went to the pride parade there and it was awesome you know yeah. like there's there's some parts of it that are really cool but it was just overall it was like very like it felt like we were kind of on edge right right yeah and uh and orlando too is also totally different from other parts of florida florida's like big and has a lot of different um areas that are all totally have a different vibe um from what i get but I, I always i also always like am appreciative of stuff like because i i get inspiration from everywhere you know mm-hmm. and like for sure it feels like sometimes like at that point in my life i I might've needed some of that kind of like isolation and confusion and, and weirdness because like it kind of forced me to, to figure out what I wanted to do and what I wanted to do next. And, right. and some of some art that I'm really proud of came out of that time that I was there, you know? That's so, cool. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I was happy. I was kind of, it's funny, even though we never see each other, I was, I was like kind of bummed to hear that you were moving away all the way across the country. And then when you, when I heard you were coming back or you had moved back, I was like, yes, <laughs> just knowing that you're nearby. Is... Three years. <laughs> I just want you to be nearby. I don't know why. Yeah, um... No, I, 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 it feels, it feels good knowing that, that you are just probably like, you know, uh, less than an eighth of a tank away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, and why did you end up coming back? We came back 
because Florida was flo- being very Florida to us, um, the housing laws there are very different and we we didn't ever owned our house. So we the first place that we rented, um, the people that owned it like ended up like basically like we the landlord's not responsible for anything in Florida, <laughs> apparently. Oh, really? So like we moved into this house and like all of a sudden it was like infested with termites. So like we had to take care of that. And like all right. and, you know, and and then the plumbing was bad. So we had to replace the septic tank if we wanted plumbing, right? right. And, so like stuff like that. So we ended up doing all this stuff and we dumped, you know, thousands of dollars that we didn't really have into like a rental property. And then they fucking hit us with like, Hey, you have 30 days to move out. We're going to sell the house now. Oh, uh, that sucks. Like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? So, That's terrible. So, so that was our first bad experience. Then the second one was that we ended up, we were like, you know what? Let's just move into a brand new place like that. Like nothing will go wrong. We'll be we'll live in a brand right. new place to work on. So we moved into like the top floor of this like brand new apartment complex. Um, and lo and behold, we started noticing that it was falling apart. And and the the um the balcony was kind of like slowly tilting. And and at first they at first they told us it was for water runoff, which sounded reasonable. It rained so much. Uh-huh. Then it kept cracking the insides of our house. So they would come and like just patch up the insides and oh my God. it's just settling. It's fine. And it started getting so bad that like when you would set something on the ground, it would just go down and like, and we were like, dude, this, this isn't safe. Like what, it, like we're on the top floor. Like this is crazy. Right. Like, you know, and, and I, it gaslighting wasn't as much of a term or a known term, but like I would go down and I would try to like help or like, or like ask about it or Chloe would go down and be like, Hey, can we have somebody come look at our structural thing? And they'd be like, you're crazy. It's not, it's fine. You know, <laughs> oh my God. I don't think it's fine. Like there's hurricanes and shit. Like what, you know, and, and, uh, and then ultimately what happened was, uh, Chloe went to go teach at this art camp for about a week. And while she was there, and I didn't even have a chance to get a hold of her while she was there, um, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the county like basically came and condemned our building. Whoa. The whole, the county came and condemned our entire building overnight and basically gave us like 10 days to get out. And it was like, what? Like, I mean, <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't even want to be here another day if the county's condemning this building, but also like, I don't know where I'm going to go. Right. And, and, uh, and so like, I was able to get a hold of Chloe and she was able to, I was able to tell her and she, she was kind of like at a, a fork in the road with her job. And she's like, well, we should just like get out of here. Like, this is kind of our sign to like, I don't really know where my job is going and I don't know what's going on. So let's just like, maybe let's move. And so we were kind of like, figuring out where to go. And she went into her, her work and was like, Hey, I think like, you know, our house is falling down. We, this is a sign we're going to get out of here. I think, I don't think I can be at my job anymore. And they were like, well, if you move to LA, we'll just make your job there. Oh, wow. And so she's like, Oh, how are you going to do that though? Department doesn't exist. And they're like, well, we have the internet. So you just go over there and figure it out and we'll, we'll just hire you to do stuff from there. And you know, that's um, excellent. So, so that was like, the decision was kind of made for us because like it was kind of a con like she wanted to go to new york i kind of wanted to go back to the bay but then it was kind of like we both had mutual friends and and you know things in la that we could do i was trying to do a lot of cartoon and movie stuff so mm-hmm. like 
LA made sense. So, um, so yeah, so in like within that 10 day period, she stayed there and got a hotel and I packed everything up and drove out to LA and tried to find a house while she was out there. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's so crazy. Well, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back. Um, uh, I, one thing I, I want to, I don't want to forget about this. So this is kind of like shoehorning it in, uh, but you're the only other person I know that listens to the H3 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you're, and you're the only other person that I know. I have like, I did since, since I have found out with you, I have two other friends that are my age that also listen to it. So we actually all went to the show the other night, which was great. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was so happy to find that. It was like, it, it wound up on my YouTube feed and it was like oh man this is like this is like the howard stern show without the problematic stuff kind of. right, right, right. And without like the weird porn stuff that i was i was never really into the strippers and uh, i know i was throwing i was baloney like... at women's asses and stuff i just was not into that sort of thing yeah. but, but it's like all the other mm-hmm. aspects of it I, I thought were great and i used to listen to that show a lot and it's like yeah. it, it's like it's so it was so cool to uh discover that and then to and then like I don't know. I'm old, so I feel weird kind of watching it because it's like they're so young. Uh, but it, but it's not like but I don't I feel like it's hard. to. I mean, they're like they're not young, right? right. They're not, well, mid 30s. So, you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. Younger. But I think that their worldview is very similar, you know, to true what we're doing. And speaking of, of Florida's, that was a Florida find for me. So I just oh, really. I discovered them when I had first moved to Florida, it kind of same thing like popped up and, 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 uh, like (laughs) it feels weird to say, but I think that you can probably understand what I'm saying, but like, because it was so frequently broadcast and I was pretty instantly connected to it, like though, like that crew was like my Florida friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have really many friends in Florida. And so I just like would draw and paint and listen and and work. and, And I kind of, you know, they, they were there for my Florida journey. So. Right. <laughs> and you just recently met them for the first time. Was that the first time or because I know you, you sold a painting to Ethan and Hila, right? Yeah. When I, when I sold that painting, that was the first time that, that, uh, that we had met in person, but I had, uh, it, it was weird. Like it was almost like good kismet, which I feel like, like this is, I don't even know how this happened, but like separately most of the crew had already kind of been following me oh for cool things. so like you know i think like two years ago like dan and i the producer dan and i had said hi to each other online and then oh, like okay. uh i i was actually friends internet friends with cam who's on the show before he worked on the show so when he worked on the show it kind of gave me a little bit of a connection there and then that's you know, cool Hila was following me so it was like it kind of like all just kind of came together and it was cool. And I kind of like became, I became friends with the Howard Stern show in its infancy, which is crazy. Right. (laughs) It's so cool. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I'm like totally addicted to that show now. It's great. I love it. Um, yeah. Uh, that, that show you did was awesome. The show that I think they bought that. What was the name of that show? The no longers. Yeah, that was a great show, man. How did that was like? Those were big pieces. <laughs> they were. They were. Yeah, I don't I, think I've ever I painted anything as big as some of those pieces. Yeah, so those pieces were all about like five foot by six foot, and it was really fun because at that time, 
we haven't talked a lot about kind of like art art stuff, but I, yeah, at that yeah. time I had, I had done, I just got off of like a year and a half to two years of doing baseball cards. So I was working, even though I was, you know, and they were all digital. So I was working oh, okay. ultimately at, at a canvas that was, you know, this big. And so I just kind of like needed to, to do this. Right. To- that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I didn't care if anybody bought anything. I just like, doing, oh, look at that. I'm doing these little <laughs> tiny two by three that inch looks paintings. looks so good though. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. They're kind of fun, but it's like, it is like really uh, makes you want to go like that. Dude, you're, you, like there's very few oil painters that make me like want to tackle that because like I've just been, I've been so intimidated. I've tried it a few times, but I haven't, um, I haven't been passionate enough to give it a chance you know but every time i see one of your paintings i'm like no this is the style i want to try you know like yeah right it it feels (laughs) like like yours feels like the way that i kind of create stuff which is make a mess and then spend time cleaning up that mess right 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 yeah yeah you kind of start rough and loose and and correct it's like you're correcting 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 until it looks finished you know yeah, but and, and, oh, I mean, uh, when when you get some time, I would love to come down and and show you some stuff if you want. Uh, dude, I, because yeah, I would love that. I you know I started in acrylic. That that my first paintings were acrylic, and for for whatever reason, I was uh, obsessed with learning oils, and so I figured figured out a workflow, and then I went back to mess around with acrylics again because I'm just like I'm not I'm agnostic on acrylic versus oil. It's like if the painting looks good, the painting looks good. And they just, I couldn't deal with the draw. They dried too fast for me because I was so used to having that time, blending time and stuff like that. Um, but, do you even do acrylic underpaintings or anything? No, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I that's what, that's when I, I, I went back and I, I, I did a painting like, cause you can do acrylic up to a point and then finish off with oils too, to, right. you know? And um, I did that and I was like, man, it's cool that they dry so fast, but it's also, uh, not cool that they dry so fast on your palate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would love to come down and, and hang out sometime. When when things uh, calm down for you, I'm I'm always down for that. I get, I get to uh, I have to I have to move across the street next month. Oh no! What happened? You, you have a new. You're getting. You're. I'm gonna have a new new space. Okay. <laughs> Um, which is fine. It, it's pretty much my choice. I, I lucked out. I, it's in kind of an industrial complex, so it's not a shared space, but there definitely other businesses around me, you know? Right. And I lucked out because there's just a guy that runs like single-handedly runs like a, um, shades and blind store. And then there's, uh, was just a cold storage place next door. So I was pretty much alone and it was quiet. Mm-hmm. And the place that I share a wall with, they just moved out and uh, an exhaust company moved in. Oh, no. And so it's like an eight person machine shop that does exhaust and they're just pounding. And oh, it's got to be loud. All day. And like, I, I mean, we're lo- I'm lucked out now that they're not doing this. I was nervous because they were there this morning. But I once once that happened, it was only, it's only been a few weeks now. But I'm just like, this is not like working. So I just kind of reached out to my landlord. I was like, hey, do you have any other spots? And they were like, Oh, the spot across the street is open. And I was like, all right, let's do it. That's great. That's great. So, yeah, we'll see. It's a little smaller, but I think it'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I'm working in a bedroom. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to keep you too long, but I do want to. I wanted to talk a little bit about. Yeah, I, I like talking to you, dude. Keep going. Oh, okay, great, excellent. Because um, we didn't get into, like you said, we didn't get into the art stuff, and it's like I, know, you know. I hope nobody's just like, but they're like, we don't care about you. Like, just... <laughs> no, no, it's interesting. It, your your story is totally interesting, and I, you know, the way I conduct these interviews, I ask what I'm interested about, and I assume if I'm interested, probably other people will be interested too. So I just treat it as like we're talking anyway, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, um, and people like it. So I think, I think it's, they want to know. Shout out people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. Talk about your, 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 the evolution of your process and, and how you start, you know, I know you started as a scribbler as a kid and, and when you started doing these comics, you were doing, um, you know, a, a lot of pen and ink stuff and- yeah the, the pen and the pen and ink stuff is you know i, I think that i i never had any formal art training which is i i get there's good and bad spot right like right. it was like fine because my road ultimately led me where i am so i'm i'm proud of it but you know it was a long slow road yeah road. i'm in the same boat i didn't i never went to school so yeah and and one of the things that I I don't know if my my road would have changed much, but one of the things that I do, you know, uh, wish I had gone to school for is confidence in techniques. Since I, you know, I'd never, I I learned, I taught myself what I could figure out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I take what I could figure out and I adapt that to what I want to do. Right. And, right. But that's how you get. That's how. That's how you get your voice, though. Yeah. No. No. You know I. I, mean? I I, I know, but it's like, you know, but, but there's been plenty of times in my life where, oh shit, no one's buying art. I need to take a commercial gig and this commercial gig would mm, require yeah. something. And then I'd go, I don't have the confidence. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. 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 It's better to know more than to know less. And, you and, know. and so I, I don't fully like regret not going to art school. I just want, I'm just, sometimes I'm curious about like, if, if I had, a little more technique if i was more confident with my materials and stuff but um but that being said i am never even consistent with my materials i i'll play with latex paint and watch those drips i'll play with acrylics and watercolors and and charcoal and then i'll be like oh that doesn't work you know and and uh, but I, but i do think that the the one thing that is pretty consistent with my art is the line work mm-hmm. I, I i think that's what ultimately got me into art originally like i still remember very specifically the same year which was third grade which was seeing you know santa cruz skateboards and garbage pail kids and my dad got me some ec comics tales in the crypt (laughs) and 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 the combination of those three things i still feel like represents the work that i do today yeah and and like the consistency that I was so attracted to was the expressiveness of the line, you know, especially a lot of those old EC comics. And yeah, stuff. absolutely. And I so I, I I just feel like that if if there's any part of my work that I'm 100 percent confident in, it is the fact that like I can tie together anything with lines, right? You know, that, whether that's considered art or not, I don't care. Like I know that I can make some, I can make a mess look cool if I can contain it in lines. Right, right. right. And and so uh, I like to deviate from that sometimes and I like to make messy stuff and not incorporate lines and see how it's like to, but, but pretty consistently I come back to being like, 
I don't know. I like the way it looks with lines. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I think, you know, every artist has that, has that, uh, issue. Uh, you know, the, every, every artist is oriented a certain way and we, we feel bad about the things we're not as good at. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's totally, I think every, cause it's like, I talked to so many artists and it, and it seems to be very, a very common thing. Like for me, I'm like, man, I wish I could do line stuff. I, like I, it, I don't even think in terms of like solid colors and line, line work stuff. And, cause I'm always like, oh God, it would be so easy, so much easier to do like graphics and shirts and, you know, right. color separations and, and, and merchandise and just get your, getting your stuff on cool things because I've got all these like subtle gradations and, and I'm into that shit, you know, it's yeah. like, I'm into, you know, cool yeah. t-shirts and, and yeah, I grew up on that stuff. I grew up in the seventies and eighties. So it's like, um, uh, so, so I'm envious of that, you know, I'm, I'm envious of that kind of line work, but what, what I really love about your work is like, since I first saw it in the, you know, what, 2000, when I first encountered your work up to this show, I went to where, where you, uh, what was the gallery? Uh, so it, it actually, it was the, the gallery technically was a gallery called building bridges, but it was, uh, myself and, and Harmon projects, which is also spoke art. We rented it out. To oh, okay. Okay. We just put it on ourselves. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, but, but from that whole time period, it's like, I can tell. And every, every time I've seen your work in between, it's, I can always tell it's yours, no matter what mm -hmm. medium you're using. It's like, I can always tell it's like instantly. And that, I mean, that that's amazing and crazy because of the amount of art that's out there, you know? So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that I, I see, you know, that, that are also influenced by you too, <laughs> but I can tell it's I'll, not, I'll it's not it. you. I'll I can tell it's not you. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's, it's one of, one of my things. Like I, I don't, sometimes I don't see it when people are be like, Oh, the, this person seems like they're influenced by you or whatever. And, and some people are very awesome about it too. Like mm -hmm. people will, and they'll be like, Hey, you've inspired me a lot. Check out my work. And, and it, you know, it's similar, but you can tell that they are having their own voice. Yes, right? and yeah. really cool. But I think one of the things is when back in kind of the graffiti days, I remember there was this, one of my friends who's now passed away, but he, he, a lot of people would rip him off and people would be like, Hey, this guy's like ripping you off. And he's like, no, he's not. He's just helping me get bigger. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> That's a good attitude. Yeah, think of me. Right. And I'm just like, yeah. Cool. That's a good yeah, attitude. Not, no, I'm not saying that that doesn't apply to me. I'm just saying like that was that's how kind of like I've always looked at kind right. of like if anybody does do something similar, I'm like, that's fine with me. Like I didn't do it. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is it is a, it's complimentary and it's yeah. also a natural part of an artist's progression. Um, I look back at my early stuff and it was Giger and it was Bekchinski totally. yeah. and and I was, I, I was aware of it. So it's like, I kept trying to get my own voice. And so there is like a, an early stage, uh, especially you can see an artist where it's like who their influences were. And as long yeah. as, as long as they get out of that and go yeah. on to, 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 uh, create their own voice, then it's all good. As far as I'm concerned, you know? Yeah. I, th I, I think about that a lot, how in, in some ways having, you know, in some ways having all this access to the, to the world, to share your art is, is positive, but also like, it's such a, like learning art and finding your own voice is such a vulnerable time in, mm -hmm. in a career that like, I, I think about it a lot. I'm like, when I was 14 and 15, if I was pressured to like 
shared the art that I was clearly influenced by Sam Keith and Todd McFarlane and stuff. Like if people would just like in the comments, be like, get your own shit. looks like this guy reminds me of this. Like it would, (laughs) like, I feel like maybe it would have stopped me from moving on. Yeah. And so like, I feel like it is really hard for a young artist to kind of take that criticism too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the many reasons I'm glad there was no social media when I was a kid. Totally. I think about all the stupid things I would have posted. <laughs> oh my god! Embarrassing things. Oh my god! <laughs> I but, think about that sometimes too. Like now, um, I think things would be fine because I I never did anything like I never I never had a a bad intention or a bad bone in my heart. But there was a time, you know, when I was sixteen and seventeen, and and trying to get people's eyes on. Like I liked doing shock humor, and I liked doing, right fucking drawing and, and putting dicks on things and like, right. you know, whatever. And like, I never did anything hateful. Like there was no swastikas, there right, was no right. like that. but there was definitely off color stuff. And it's like, I, I, I had thought about reprinting some of my old comics and stuff. And I'm like, I just, I feel like out of context, maybe some of these things would be weird now, you know, like, oh, I, yeah. like I definitely don't have the same views as, you know, a, a, sh- a, a wannabe shocking 15 year old ad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> I didn't have no life experience and didn't know that like making a, a joke about cancer is bad. Right. Right. Like, right. Like, or, me- or mental illness or, yeah, you know, it's just, yeah. you know, the, it's, it's a, it's a different, different world. I've got this one painting that I did in, I don't remember 2010, maybe of a, uh, it was a, a trip. It was a trip vision I had. Okay. When I was tri- when I was on mushrooms, I, I saw okay. I saw this vision and it was called Nazi face. It just came to me, boom, okay. like like this image was given to me, Nazi face, and it was a like a uh, like a white guy, obviously, but like all kind of jacked, square jawed, buzz cut, and it had just this swastika in the face, like carved in and festering, and. Um, I posted that back when I made it and right. and I and I just assumed everyone would be like, oh, that's a great anti-Nazi art, piece of art. Yeah. And there was people still that were like, I'm not sure about this. Explain this. Like they thought I was pro-Nazi. And you're like, all it takes is one Google search to see I am not pro-Nazi. Yeah, <laughs> I, to, and it, it's just to me, too. It's like that how could you read it any other way than anti-Nazi to me? But it had, it even had like an asshole for a mouth. It was like a butthole for a mouth. It's like, come on. It's it's all spelled out for you. But uh, you know, we have, especially I think having the influences we we have uh, with horror movies and stuff like that. I don't know if you, um, I bet you you've had this experience, but I just, I don't think twice about the stuff I'm painting. I think it just looks cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 uh, liking other art, art that's horror oriented or, or dark or whatever. To me, it's just like, oh, that's cool. It makes me feel good. I love it. it makes me happy. And, yeah. and, and until you get like, I don't know, kind of a, uh, a normal person's perspective on it, you, you don't realize that, like, yeah, I kind of like stuff that, you, you know, most people think it's really strange and, and, and upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i so it's I, like we're oriented different kind of I, you know i don't i don't flinch at pretty much anything you know and and i especially i i like to think that i'm that i would have a good enough filter i i don't i don't think i've ever intentionally drawn something that's bad so like i don't right. you know like right. gory 
different or intense in, intentionally gory. So like, yeah, like when I'm drawing something, I don't, I, I don't filter myself and I don't think there's, I don't, I don't really flinch at other people too. Cause I can recognize that it's art. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess not everybody can, I don't know. We just take it for yeah. granted. I think, especially with yeah. the weird stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, the other day, it's funny speaking of like H3 stuff, there's uh, there's another artist named Meat Canyon who's kind of in that same, I don't know if you've seen his stuff, His, his he does uh, animations online that are incredibly funny and dark and all yeah. pop culture related. So almost anything that, that gets talked about on that show, like this guy has also has animation similar. Oh, They're, cool. I'll send you a link. He's great. He's awesome. But he released this this series of trading cards and one of them had this character that had like a prolapsed face. <laughs> And, and I shared it on Instagram because I was just like, this is fucking hysterical. And like instantly it was like, whoa, dude, like, why are you posting that? That's like a problem. I'm like, I didn't even, <laughs> it, didn't it didn't even occur. Didn't even occur to me that it was like something that there was a, that I was posting a prolapsed anus face <laughs> on Instagram. I just thought it was funny. You know, like, <laughs> it's the funny thing about that whole prolapse on H3 with the Howie Mandel thing. And that's become this whole meme on there. I remember that picture oh my god me too from like yeah way back when i first got on the internet it's probably like late 90s it was one of those pictures that you would email a friend to freak them out yep it was (laughs) rotten.com there's like four or five like very distinct images from that time period that like yeah and it's funny because like yeah like when they first started talking about that i i like I wanted to like dive in there and I was like, no, no, this is an older image. Like I've seen this. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is way back. It's going yeah. way. This like, guy's way... dead now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I also, I wanted to get a little bit too into your, your process for, you know, yeah. creating. It's like, how does it work for you? Are you. I'll say, I'll say it's like, I'm kind of a doodler. Like I'm not, I don't think that much about what I want to do. Usually it's, yeah. it's not like I, I think of a theme and then I, and then I draw it. It's like, I just let myself go. I do rough studies, just play. Like I used to, that's the idea is like, like play like I did when I was a kid and I didn't think about it and I didn't have to worry yeah. about coming up with a cool idea. It was just doing it for the pure joy of it. And, uh, and then I, I'll kind of recognize something. Oh, that looks cool. And I kind of develop it. And, and that's how kind of my paintings develop. Um, so what's, what's your process for creating, creating work? Cause you're, de- you know, it's, you've definitely got more like humor and uh, I don't know. There's a, it's related to comics in a way where they're like uh, narrative. They're very narrative and a lot of them. And, and, so, so what's your process? Yeah, so so I'm, I'm very similar to you in, in a lot of aspects where I, I, I do basically what it's a cloud approach, right? Like I, I'm, I'm obsessed with shape and composition for the most part, like usually first and foremost. So mm-hmm. I, I just kind of scribble and doodle and, you know, this is for, for my personal work. I'm like scribbling right. and doodling, trying to find something as shape. And then, um, you know, one of the other things that I am confident in is that like about there's a moment in the scribbles where I can be like, I can make this scribble cool. I can turn it right. into something, right? Like I, I, I don't know what yet, but this shape looks cool enough for me to get, start to see something. And then, and then, yeah. And then I just kind of like, um, now it's a little bit easier for me to do kind of, uh, almost everything I do starts on paper, but it's like very rough, like, like rough, like, 
I mean, yeah, this doesn't even make sense, but I mean like rough, like, you know, that rough. Right. Okay. And, and, and then I'll usually like take, take a picture of that and just throw it on, on Photoshop. And that way I can not waste so much paper doing overlays and overlays. Right. <laughs> just like, kind of like keep developing that ske- sketch for a long time. Um, and then from there, even if I, if I want to do like a, a, a color comp scribble, I'll, I'll figure out kind of like the loose stuff digitally. Um, and then I'll just be like, okay, cool. Like if this is for a big painting, I'll transfer it to a big painting and then I'll just go nuts there. And everything's pretty loose until the final stages, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but with, um, but, and, and that even goes for something, if I'm doing a narrative, like usually, usually I'm a, I'm a complete blank slate. One of the things that does frustrate me still with my process is that if I have an idea it's a thousand times more stressful to get that idea out. Right. Right. You know, like if I'm like, if I literally am like, man, it'd be cool to make a zombie football player. Like I've never drawn a football helmet. I've never drawn that. Like never. I'm like, I'm like, now I'm like trying to look up like 80 different references and I'm scribbling and I'm just like, what is happening? This right. is it doesn't look natural. Like this is dumb and whatever. Um, but if I'm scribbling something and then like halfway through, I'm like, it kind of looks like a football helmet. Like that's cool. Oh, I'll make a cool, weird football story. Like, let me think about this now. Right. And, and you know, and it kind of comes to me. So then the narrative then kind of drives the second half of the painting. Okay. You know? Yeah. 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 It's uh, interesting. And so I, I think a lot of it, even with my storytelling is, is just so just process based. Like I, I, it's hard for me to, to kind of think of something to draw and then draw it the way that I want to. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so the same way it's like it's like the sketching doodling process is thinking for Mm -hmm. me it's like i'm not good at i'm not a good thinker i guess like it's not an intellectual process for me right you know and it's like that's it's it's like a it's an intuitive process completely because just like looking at a bunch of scribbles and having a feeling like I can, I can develop this, this something, something in these scribbles is appealing to me, or it kind of looks, it's almost like that kind of, I forget what it's called, but where you can see patterns and things and clouds and stuff. It's kind of that sort of thing, you know? And, uh, and it's just always very intuitive. And I, I, I love that about, about it too. I like, I like being able to access your subconscious in a way that I think most people don't have access to their subconscious in, in, in that way. You know, it's like, you're able to talk, you're able to discover things about yourself that are deep inside. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I also kind of didn't realize that aspect too, because I never, I never outright, like, you know, purposely put my emotions into my, I, I never was like, you know, like I'm going to make a painting about being depressed. Right. You know? <laughs> but, but over the years, I kind of realized that my kind of like, subconsciously I was injecting my emotions into these things when, when people would have similar reactions to the emotions right. that I have by looking at it. Right. And, oh, that's crazy that you can see it. Like that guy's smiling and they're like, yeah, but you can tell he's hiding that smile. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, okay. You know, that's cool. That's interesting. So I kind of go with it now. Um, but I still like don't necessarily consciously inject those, you know? Right. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's our, uh, as artists, it's kind of at least as intuitive artists, that's sort of our superpower in a way that, that it's, it's so mysterious. It really is such a mysterious thing. And and I'm sure, you know, like looking through your whole body of work, there are these internal themes that you didn't intentionally do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, and to me, that's, 
it's like, you know, your community artists is like our way of communicating with people. It's a language we use to communicate with other people. Right. But the artwork first is communicating with us. It's like this thing is talking to us through the artwork. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's trying to tell you, tell us something about yeah. ourselves. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. It's like, you won't listen to me. You won't listen to me right, for whatever I reason. Even look in the mirror. So, <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you through your artwork. It's really just a trip. You know, it just, it's so mysterious and cool. I love it. Do you find it um, with you being kind of like also creative in music and stuff? Do you find the music making process similar? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's the the way I've always, I've never been a person that like can hear music. Um, mm-hmm. I've had that happen strangely later in life. I'll kind of hear something and think, Oh, I'm going to make that into a song. But generally it was doodling on the guitar where you're just kind of going, you know, and just start messing around. And then it's like, Oh, that sounds like it could be cool. And then you just start playing it and then you see where it leads. It's exactly the same. It's a trip. Yeah. yeah I- I have zero music in intuition. So I, I can't, I, I can't even imagine like, I've, you know, meeting people that write songs and play music. I'm just like, it's fascinating to me. It feels like, it just feels like there's beautiful mind stuff going around in them all the time. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> but then but I imagine that, they feel the same way. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that that's uh, one thing I was getting, uh, getting point I was making earlier when I was kind of saying, we take these things for granted. It's like, you know, we do it. We, the, we're creating art all the time. We take it, totally take it for granted that people just understand. And it, to us, it's not that big of a deal. It's fun. It's what we do. It's who we are, but yeah. it's not like, it, it, it's not as, uh, you know, we know how it's done. We know how it's done. So it's, there's not that like separation between, uh, I see artists. It's like, I, you know, I kind of know what they're doing. I, uh, and so there's not the, what am I trying to say? It's not like really shocking. It's like, we know how it's done. This is our job. This is what we do for other people that don't do, that don't paint or have never had any art training. It's like a miracle. It's like, how the hell did they do that? That's insane. I can't even imagine how you would begin to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think creativity in general is looked at like that by some people. Like, for instance, like I had a good friend who was like extremely intelligent, very, you know, right. super brilliant, communicated well, all this awesome stuff, charismatic. And then, you know, one day came to me and said, like, you know, I have to I want to make a, a Valentine's card for my girlfriend. Like, what should I do? And I'm like, what do you mean what you do? Just like make draw a heart and make it say I love you. You know, whatever. He's like, I don't know what that means. Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> Help me think of what to say. Help me think of what to draw. Help me think of what to put right. out. And I'm, that's crazy. Like you just can't think of anything. You know? <laughs> I know you think like a, a super intelligent person like that yeah. would think that way, but right. I, but it's just a different way. But then at the same time, like I get so hung up on creativity that I'm a mess in my real life. Yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah, yeah. Trying, you know, staying organized or keeping things clean. It's like, uh, <laughs> you know, but but. I, I, I often wonder, you know, I, I, the, a lot of people I look up to are really smart. Like I really tend to look up to people that are highly intellectual and smart. And it's like, I think it's cause I'm not that way. <laughs> cause I'm not really an intellectual, you know, it's like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a creative person. I'm not a, I, th- I think you're, you, you can tell that you're smart. Though. Well, 
thank you. But, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not uh, educated. You know, I didn't go to college and uh, my brain works okay, but it, but it's still, it's like, I'm not, I just, I can tell that the way I, th I think is different than, than most yeah. people, you know? Um, I feel the same way. I think that, you know, I, I also come from a very um, studious family. My, my parents are, my mom's a teacher. My dad was a librarian for 40 years. Oh, wow. My sister's a stenographer. Yeah. They've all grown up with books and books and books. And like, I, I was an avid reader when I was younger, but once I, once I found art and film, it kind of, that became more of what I was attracted to. And, you know, and, and, and I have these, like, you know, my, my brilliant college family. And then I'm here feeling like the outcast. Of like, <laughs> like with you guys, like, you know, like it's, yeah, but, but again, probably to them, it would be, it's, it's amazing. You know, they would have no idea how to, how you're doing what you're doing. It's the same. It's that I'm like, mom, go to Comic-Con and run my booth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, seriously, I could keep going on, but I, I know you've got a soggy sandwich waiting, but we'll, we'll I'll just have to. <laughs> Well, you can come if you don't mind. We'll have you on again to talk. I would love to be on. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you guys if you guys out there are cool with it, I'll come on again. Oh yes, we do we do part twos often. Uh, uh, but I, I do have to ask before before you go, yeah. quickly, horror movies, horror movies you were raised on. You were you're a horror guy too. Oh another another yeah. way we connected. Uh, yeah, what, what I, I, I I probably love every movie that you've worked on. Yeah, <laughs> I worked <laughs> I remember, on a lot in the '90s. <laughs> I know. I I remember when when I first found out that you worked on the Blob, and I was just like so. I was like I was like blown away. I was like, stop! Like that's insane. <laughs> and it, you know what's funny is, um, was there a puppeteer on the Blob named Tony? Tony Gardner was my boss. Tony was Tony Tony Gardner? Was did he work on the on the the Blob with you? He was the he was it was oh, his yeah, he job. was the guy. I was okay, like okay. I was green. I was like that was my first big job. I was like nineteen. Okay, so Tony Gardner, um, I feel like I should know more about him now. But anyways, Tony Gardner ended up working with us on a short film. Oh and, no way! And, and it was around that time that I found out that you had worked on the Blob. So everything was like blowing me away at the time. Which <laughs> he, he puppeted this little shirt that the shirt puppet that we made, and he helped puppet it and stuff. Which oh, that's cool. He did it as like a favor to a friend that was working on it. Oh, cool, cool. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I fell in love with horror at, at an early age, and I was raised on you know the best and the worst '80s horror, and that's pretty much my genre. Yeah, you know? yeah. Do you ever like go? I, oh, sorry, what's up? No, I was gonna say, do you go back to like the older I get, the more I, I go back further before mo movies of my era, like. As I get older, I have more of an appreciation for older movies, older horror movies too. Yeah, I think it, you know what's what's interesting is there's I definitely go through phases of being like, oh, you know what, I haven't seen a lot of the Hammer horrors. I'll do that, or right. I haven't seen a lot of like the 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 Giallos. Let me go through that, or or luckily enough, we live in LA, so occasionally they'll play some older stuff. Mm -hmm. And if I haven't, it it it's so much more effective in a theater than like trying to watch. Oh yeah, yeah totally. Um, but like. I've also had this problem and perhaps it's a bigger discussion because it might be a pandemic universal problem, but like I cannot pay attention to things right now. Like it's, I'll try to like watch an older movie that I haven't seen or even watch a newer movie that I haven't seen. I just can't pay attention. It's like making me crazy. Is, is I'm this... not absorbing things. It's like, Oh really? Oh, yeah, oh, oh, I see. I'll, to, I'll try to like listen to a podcast or listen to an audio tape. Like, and after five minutes, I'm just like, I don't, 
I didn't listen for five. I don't know right. what's going. On. Do you have ADHD? I was. I don't think that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I have tend. I have OCD tendencies, which I've been diagnosed with. Yeah. Um, I've never really been dosed with like ADHD, but. Um, but I definitely have had focus problems a lot lately. And, and even with my own art, I used to be able to just zone out, put on a movie, pay perfect attention, pay perfect attention, or what's going on, draw for 80 hours. (laughs) And now now it's like, I'll spend so much time trying to figure out what the fuck's on Netflix. Oh man, this is me. Five minutes minutes go by. I'm painting. Then I go, I didn't even pay attention. I'll find something. And then I try to find something else, and then I go back for five. And you know, I'm like, never mind. Turn off the TV. Just paint. Right, right. And then I'm like, I'm hungry now. I'm gonna go eat. (laughs) That's why. That's a pretty pretty new problem for me. I think. Right. Yeah. I I put on. That's why I put on old things that I'm familiar with. So it's like it doesn't matter if I miss out. It's more. But it's like I spend an inordinate amount of time being like, I gotta find something I could just have on and leave on, so I don't get disturbed and I can keep going. Because at this point, I have to have the movie on. It's weird. Yeah. Or I'll put on H three. You know, it's like it's it's you know it's 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 funny because on the H three days, I like to watch live on YouTube. My my yeah. my easels here. My my uh, screen uh-huh. is right here, and so I'm painting and listening, and watching. You know, and that's that's kind of perfect. But I uh, yeah I I was diagnosed with OCD in the '90s. I definitely have that. I have it under control now, which is good. But um. But I'm pretty sure I got ADHD, man. I just have never been diagnosed. Yeah. Because I just forget constantly. It's like so frustrating. I hear it's so hard to just, yeah. you know, uh, keep anything in my head. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. And I, and I feel like I don't know if it's an age thing. It's like, you know, or, or mm. something. I just like, because coincidentally, you know, when something like a pandemic happens over two years, you're also aging two years. So it could just be true. Something like that right but yeah but like i used to i i'm so envious of my my older self that would be able to absorb three things at once right else and like like you know like every movie or music that i've listened to pre-2008 i can like recite right you know, every movie that i've seen since then like i don't even remember it's if true seen- it's like even good movies i watch yeah. them and i and i and i like movies that i liked i can't remember them right. Yeah, so I just weird. saw into the the uh, the what was the second one across the Spider Verse. I loved it. Visual, everything was amazing about it. I had a great time watching it. I couldn't tell you what it's about. <laughs> I forgot. I wonder if At it's the time, five minutes after I could, but now right. I forgot. I wonder if it's the there's just so much media everywhere. I it wonder if yeah. that has something to do with it. Damn. Yeah. Well, it's frustrating because yeah. I, I I feel like disrespectful. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit! Did I not pay attention to somebody who just fucking poured their heart out on the screen? Right. <laughs> I just distracted in my brain, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I, I don't know. I it, it is partially due with age. I think it's just like an over stimulation thing too. But uh, okay, one last thing. What's your favorite? Is do you have an uh, all time favorite horror movie that or? I I have I have or a few uh, a 92 i have a 92 part horror favorite which is tales of the crypt the tv show oh, okay cool that's my absolute go-to at any point i could watch all of them or one of them it's my favorite thing of all time and uh but as far as movie goes 
I I have like a pretty like fluctuating list of top fives kind of depending on the day, but they're all pretty much, you know, the standards. Like I, I think Creepshow is number one, which might be not quite of a standard, but that That's also great, fits yeah. the script thing. That's great. And, uh, I love that movie. Like, like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Evil Dead 2, Dead Alive, kind of like the the fun, campy, gory ones. Okay. Are, uh, you know? So. Yeah. The classics. Those are good yeah. ones. What about you? Oh, I'm like... You know, I, I've all, I'm, I'm the original Night, Night of the Living Dead, the black and white one, because I used to watch that when I was five years old uh, yeah. on TV. And uh, Dawn of the Dead. Of course. Is, it's the worst exploding head I ever saw. Was yes. <laughs> it was like shocking. I remember the time. Like, that's what's crazy about being a kid and seeing stuff. Like, I remember my parents were at a friend's house and had rented a VHS and all this stuff. And like, I was at the friend's house, but we were supposed to be in the other room. And I had walked into the kitchen at the time that they were, they sh- shot that. And like, I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> it's bit and stretched. And I'm oh like, my God. It's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of the movies that uh, made me get into, like, I have to know how to do this and got me cool. on the track of learning makeup effects. Awesome. It was Did that you ever get to Pumps of Any or anything? Uh, I never got to work with them. I, I never, it's like, it was always people. I ended up working with people who worked with them. I just gotcha. never really, you know, there's a few people I never got to work with, but, uh, I met them, I've met them before and, um, but I never, I never got to work with them, but, uh, that and the howling, those two oh, cool. were like makeup effects wise were the, like the, the bubbling and the howling that's another one that like there's so many vivid, disturbing memories as a kid of seeing these practical effects. You yeah. Know, like, I mean, both the Howling and American Werewolf for sure with the with those practical changes, but you know. Yeah, I love the dog smile on the Howling. Yeah. That, that big smile. That was that was Robbo. Since like Robbo team was my guy, he, he it's like his stuff was so extreme and weird. Like the, yeah. the thing, of course, you know, was just like hundred percent. That's in my top five, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Um, all right, I'm gonna let you go eat your soggy sandwich. I really appreciate you taking the time. I like again, again, I could keep going with you uh, for hours. So we'll just do it again. We'll schedule something. I don't know, yeah, near we'll future. Have soggy sandwiches together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thank you for coming on. It was really fun yeah, talking to sure. you. It was awesome. Uh, just the last thing we have to do is just to say goodbye to the audience because we do that every time. Just so just say goodbye to your own, in your own way, say goodbye to the audience. Thank you guys very much for joining us and listening to the journey, however exciting or exhilarating or boring it was. I appreciate it. And I hope you have a lovely day and create as much as you can because it's very important to the rest of the world, especially when we're all dying of insanity. (laughs) Thank you, everybody.